I serve on your board of elders. I'll be reading two passages of scripture this morning, the first being from the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God. The second passage is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. And this world is fading away, along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. Thank you, brother. I want to talk about what the cross does for us. We, we've heard the term mercy today quite a bit. And I want to talk about the grace of God today. And it all comes down to what happened at the cross. And what, what, makes it, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? What, what contrast does the cross make in our life from what it was before the cross and after? From the world that would define us and the faith in Christ, crucified and risen Christ that's what it is. And you see, contrast is a good thing. Really, we, we appreciate contrast all the time because apart from the contrast of light from darkness, we would have gray. Everything would be gray all the time. So we appreciate contrast. We'd rather have it dark or light. And when the light turns on and dark, the contrast is a wonderful thing. It fills the room, it seems. The contrast. And so... People who follow Christ embrace the contrast. They embrace the contrast that faith creates. This is a big picture, the last of the big picture series sermons. And the big picture here is that faith in Christ that, give us, that allows us to experience the grace of God creates a contrast that ought to be evident because our life is not defined by the world around us, but by the faith that's held deeply within us. What defines your life? What defines your life? The culture of the world around you or that faith held deeply within us? First scripture that we read is from Titus, the second chapter. And in, in Titus, he says, The grace of God that has appeared to all men... The grace of God that has appeared to all men that offers salvation. Now, salvation means that things are not the same. When we talk about salvation, we talk about being saved from something. There's two ideas of what God's grace does for us. And there are two ideas that prevail that we sometimes slip between the two. One offers a contrast and one offers a grayness. You've got to decide whether your faith is going to be gray or whether it's going to be a contrast. The gray idea is salvation means that I'm saved 
in my sin. Nothing really has to change because I'm saved. I'm delivered from, from those sins, but I don't really have to change. I, I'm delivered in my sin. And it just kind of stays gray. I'm, I'm spiritual, I belong to God, but yet I look like the world around me because I'm saved in my sin. That's one idea of what salvation is. It's not the biblical idea. It's not God's idea. The idea that this verse of Scripture embraces that we're going to see in the following verse is being saved from my sin. That there is something that is no longer a part of me. That there is now a contrast. It's not a gray faith. It's a clear light from darkness. There's a contrast that this grace makes. So it says... So he goes on and he, and he simply says it this way. For the grace of God teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no to sin and ungodliness and worldly passions. And to pursue, to, to live out a life. Can we have the verse 12 if it's out of line? I'm sorry. Um, I'm preaching. Am I preaching wrong already? I'm sorry. It teaches us and to live this self-controlled, upright, godly life. So there's this contrast. You see, ungodliness, worldly passion, no. Now, when you, you, you understand this, when you parent, you, you uh, want to shape the life of your children. And the first thing you want to do is you, you try to involve them in things that are productive, responsible, healthy, and at the same time, you, you try to tell your kids, no, don't do that. you got to stay away from that. Every parent does it. And so the grace of God teaches us in the same way, the contrast. Be involved in this. Stay away from that. That's what the grace of, because the grace of God does not save us in our sin and make us a gray faith. It saves us from sin and makes a contrast. And the followers of Jesus embrace the contrast. Really, the grace of God doesn't restrict us. The grace of God doesn't restrict us, but delivers us from the containment in sin. When sin is allowed to run in our life and to define our life, then it, that actually contains us and limits us. It limits us because sin is always an invitation to a jail cell. However nicely padded and furnished it is, the door is always slammed shut after we're in. And grace does not say, all right, I'm just going to make you feel better with all of these spiritual problems and all these spiritual uh, failures and all this sin. I'm not going to just make you feel better. I'm not going to just make you feel forgiven. No, the grace of God releases us from that prison cell, no matter how enticing it seems to be, and it teaches us, therefore, don't go back into that. Don't go back. Don't go back into that. You know what limits our life? We are limited by those defining moments in our life. Everybody has defining moments, things that... You know, you, you always become a reference point. And our, and our enemy, the devil, is a master at taking a spiritual failure and telling us that is who you are. 
That is who you are. You'll never be anything else. That's who you are. And we'll pin our identity to our failure. I've said this many times. It's so important. And the grace of God wants to pin our identity to who we are becoming in Christ. Now, when we allow sin to become our identity, when we allow those things that for which Jesus died on the cross, those little secret failures, those little secret passions that that just kind of take over our life, when those things become our definition, it limits us to that. We can never escape it because in our, in our minds, if nothing else, in our minds say, well, that's who I am. I can never become this godly leader. I can never become the Sunday school teacher. I could never become a, a servant of God because that's who I am. And that's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly what the devil wants. And the grace of God releases us from that and says, don't go back there. Don't become defined by the world around you, its passions and so forth, but become defined by who you're becoming in Christ, even if you're not there yet. It's a choice we make. Are we going to let that failure in the past be our reference point, our defining moment, or are we going to let the defining moment be the cross and the resurrection of Christ that says, I can become something I have not yet been? That's a choice. And so we are not restricted, but delivered from containment to that defining moment of our past failure. So the grace of God, like any good parent, would teach us to say, no thank you. No thank you to the enticements that would hold you back from God. They are, they are those things that would prevent you from really becoming who God calls you to be, who you believe in. They are those those. In, uh, temptations that will always say, see, you're a failure. You can't do it. You'll never. When the grace of God comes, it gives us the power to say no to those temptations so that we can become the person whom God has called us to be. You see, in life, we're faced with many, many alternatives. We live in this world, and yet we're called to not be defined by it. But this world offers us all kinds of things. And say, you know, uh, the world says to us, you, you can be wise about all these things. You can be sophisticated about all these things in the world. You shouldn't have to compromise your ability to know everything about the world if you simply want to have a little bit of religion. And God says, but you have to choose because life is not omnidirectional. You cannot be both wise toward God and wise toward the world. You must make a choice. Which way am I going to go? What am I going to pursue? In what direction will I choose to become wise? And the grace of God gives you the power to say, no thank you. I don't need more wisdom in the direction of the world. I need more wisdom in the direction of God, and that's what the world needs from me. The world doesn't need for you to become more sophisticated about sin. The world needs for you to become wiser about God. Otherwise, what's, where's the contrast? Faith becomes very gray when we do not become wise toward God. When we become wise toward God, then there's the contrast of light in darkness. So John writes about this, and he says in 1 John, do not love the world 
or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love of the Father is not in him. You can't love in both directions. You either love God and you, you know, you're neutral or, or you, you're dispassionate toward the enticements of the world. You love God, but you can't, you can't love the world and all that it tells you that you should be. You can't love all the things that the commercials and the marketing strategists decide who you should be. You can't love that because everything in the world... The lust of the flesh, that's your inner impulses. The lust of the eyes, the things that make you want something. And the pride of life, looking at my achievements in the world, they, they don't come from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away. And its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So what are they saying? What's John saying? First of all, the grace of God delivers us from wasting our life on what is going to pass away anyway. The grace of God delivers us from wasting our life on what's going to pass away. You see, this world that we live in, as beautiful and as amazing as all the structures and all the things in this world, is going to come to an end. Its purpose will be fulfilled and a new heaven and a new earth will come down and that is the permanent home and it will eclipse the beauty of what we have here. It will just be immeasurably greater than anything we could have possibly tasted here. And when that time comes, it's going to seem like we've wasted our time if we sought everything in this world instead of becoming rich toward God. And the grace of God would prevent us from wasting our time. The grace of God saves us from fleeting desires that will inevitably pass away. Notice that even the desires of this world will pass away. Now, you know something about that. You remember some things that, boy, you were really intensely passionate about it 10 years ago, and now you don't care. Have you noticed that? Some things that used to care so much, and now, eh not that big of a deal that just that's that's an indicator of how even desires will pass well you can give everything you can find something for which you have the desire you can give everything you can lose your soul for something that in about 10 years you're going to change your mind anyway what a waste what a waste and the grace of God prevents us from investing ourselves in these fleeting desires that are going to pass away. The desire itself. The grace of God saves us from worthless ambition, the pride of life, the things that look so impressive, but in the end, we are all reduced down to who we are, not what we have. And the grace of God would prevent us from investing ourselves in worthless ambitions because someday all of those things that are achieved in the world whether it's worth billions or just worth a lot to you, those things are pass, are, will pass away. And only the things that are done for God. I love those images of sending materials for what you want to have in heaven. Sending materials ahead by doing the will of God. Now that lasts forever. And the grace of God would give us the power to do that which lasts forever instead of worthless ambitions. The grace of God enables us to pursue life that satisfies and leaves no regret. 
That's what the grace of God. Now, we're always standing in this place of a choice. You've experienced the grace of God. And what is going to define you? That deeply held faith or the world around us? Will your faith simply become gray? Or will there be a contrast? And what is that contrast? You see, the big picture is that God's grace is a change agent. It makes me different. Like we sang earlier, the love of God will not leave us the same. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, I realize some of you have never played Monopoly. So I have to explain this. It's a wonderful little card. Then you get, and when you get it, it just says get out of jail free. Because along the road of life, you land on certain things, and you get a card and says, do not pass go, where you get to collect $200, that's your, like your pay. Do not pass go, go directly to jail. And if I can produce this get out of free jail card, then I can keep playing. I mean, nothing's changed. I got no consequences. It's all good. And yes, there are many people who want God's grace to simply make them feel better but not change them. To make them feel absolved but not different. To keep things as they are. As sometimes we say, I just want God to make, make everything better. But keep it the way. I don't want to change anything in my I don't want to change anything in my spending. I don't want to change anything anywhere. I just want God to bless my agenda. And what we have is this gray faith. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but life looks just like the same as the rest of the world. That's a get out of free jail card. I, hey, I don't have any consequences. Lord, prevent me from the consequences of my own mistakes. Get out of jail free. That's grace. It's not the grace that has been revealed in Jesus. The big picture is this. God's grace changes us. It does not leave us the way we were. There's a great song that we still sing. It's called Just As I Am. And it says, just as I am, without one plea, without one plea, Lord, I come to thee that I be washed, be made clean. But you know what? We come to God as we are, but we don't leave staying the way we were. There's a change. And the big picture of the Christian faith is this. Is there a contrast? The grace of God makes a contrast so that light is separated from darkness and it's not a gray faith. And we are called to embrace the contrast. That's the big picture. That's what the grace of God does, and that's what we are called to be. Would you stand with me to pray about it? And I thank you, Father, that you both saved me from who I was becoming, and you saved me from who I could have become had I not met Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you can see deep, deep into our lives, both directions, past, present. You can look in the future, and you're, you're saving us all the time. But not just saving us in our sin, you're saving us from them. And Lord, I'm sorry for those times that I did not participate. 
We are sorry that too often we just wanted to have a get-out-of-jail-free card. Too often, grace simply meant no consequence. And we are wrong. Now, Father, make us who you want us to be. Let the grace of God change us. That's what we're praying for. In Jesus' name, amen.